2: And this is Aba Hassan. I feel like we have not talked to each other in a gazillion years. So, what has I been going? Yeah, like what has been going on with you? Like, why? I what's mean, going on?
1: People keep asking me what's going on, and I'm like, I am very blessed to say my life is super boring. And then last night happened. Oh my god! Um, we had an Amber Heard situation upstairs in what? the middle of the night. So it was. I don't know if you followed the Johnny Depp Amber Heard well, thing. It was right but like, here in Fairfax The big deal County. was that yeah. yeah, it was right by your house. So mm. you know how she pooped in his bed. So or in their I did bed. Not so know. that's what I had last I, night with somebody really coming gross. in and saying,
2: I found I found poop in my bed. And I'm like, You found poop in your bed. What? <laughs> how and why did that happen?
1: I have no idea. I think somebody just got really relaxed while they were dreaming. <laughs> oh, how does that happen? Like that is no. crazy. Okay, from I don't know, man. I, I don't know outside of incontinence. Like I just don't know how that happens to Aww. people. But this is a fully potty trained child who's been potty trained for years. So he was like crying and miserable, and you know I did the mom thing, okay. and it turns out you won't spontaneously combust picking up the turds. Um, you know, you, you manage all of that, but. If you ever want to know how to get poop out of a washing machine, there are like seven thousand articles online. Okay, so I will be reading
2: well a few a, of them. Today well, it's a good go thing that you found like a laundry service, right? That I feel like you're super happy with. So maybe Thank this goodness. is God's way of saying kids are yeah. pooping in the bed. I would call it let's to let's turn in okay. <laughs> Well, yeah. you know, yeah. I didn't give the laundry service the biologic hazard. Oh you know. my god. Well, you know my my 11-year-old thinks we talk about potty training all day long. So, this is one for the books for him. So, we <laughs> like, do we do. We talk about potty training yes, or or absolutely. what to do if you have an accident in <laughs> your bed. Ourselves. Um, but I think that you're starting summer school, mm-hmm. right? Like I think that was like another transition for you for you guys. Like so how's that been going?
1: So my son is entering public high school from mm-hmm. a homeschool situation for the last almost four years, Oh my goodness. Um, three years, basically all of middle school he did yeah. with me and he's going back. And so our district is offering this uh, freshman success program. So they kind of give incoming freshmen an idea of what their classes will be like and what walking around the campus will be like. And the beautiful thing is he only has seven kids in his class, oh, wow. which is awesome. So it's That's not great. like that really overwhelming sense that you get your first day of high school, right? So he does some reading, math and computer and he has a full day schedule. So he has an idea of it. So first day he calls me at like 10 o'clock. He's like, okay, I'm done. I did my reading and math. Can you come get me? And I'm like, you're like, "Mm, honey, it doesn't work that way. But it's until two. And he's like, yeah, but I'm done. I don't want to do computers. And I'm like, baby boy, let me tell you, this is very different than (laughs) homeschool. You can't do this. You gotta stay until the end
2: of the day.
1: (laughs) There was that transition. Now the scary thing was this was on the heels of Uvalde, right? Mm-hmm. That he started school and his the week that he started, I uh, one I pulled to pick him up at two o'clock and there's like seven police cars. Oh, yeah, they they, in front they of the naturally started, and of course that. my heart yeah. drops and I'm like ready to just stop the car and run and jump over the gate. And it turns out they're just training uh, on campus. And I was you know because I'm asking the the resource officer like
2: what's going on? Like what happened? He's like no no nothing. They're just training here. How was your week? So um, my week was uh, emotionally and physically draining. Yes. uh, Emotionally and physically draining. I have my uh, my first high school graduate so and he which was very exciting and he Yay. really put me through the ringer because he's just one of those kids who's like none of this matters why do i do this blah 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 until 15 minutes before the bus left to go um to downtown dc he was like i'm not going he ended up going Finally, Um, but he went in his pajamas um, and his slippers and I was like, I don't care as long as you zip that sucker up and of course it was 100 degrees that day and humid which you know it's a swamp here um, in the DMV area so he was like oh. living his best life he goes everybody mm-hmm. with their tie and their suits you look stupid he goes I'm comfortable and he ended up having a really good time so I have officially had my, and my first wife, Peter. and my wife he literally is <laughs> wearing oh, I sent it was my picture and she was like why is I'm like that's what he at least put a shirt on because he normally doesn't sleep with a shirt so we should consider that self, you know, exciting. Um, But, you know, he's definitely going to that transition. We're we're, we're working, we're working through the process of, um, you know, moving towards the college time. But the beautiful thing is we get to celebrate with so many amazing um, high school graduates. So I think we have uh, tapped in 15 plus graduation parties, in addition to our normally, Crazy schedule. so oh that is why I'm tired, and I actually came to work today so that I can relax because two out of my four kids are at home. Oh, three. Three so out you of can get away from so people. I can get away from people. Like, is that sad? Because <laughs> I'm just like so overwhelmed and <laughs> overloaded with no, um, with sense. people. Because as people don't know this about me, but I am a very, very much an introvert. Um, it's. Counterintuitive to is. what people like. I physically need alone downtime. Even Uzma's like, let's share hotel rooms when we go places. I'm like, yeah, no, I cannot do that. And she knows that. She's like, <laughs> okay, I will be next door. And I literally kick them out after a certain time because I'm like, I need to power down where she's raring to go. So the beauty of being able to do something with your friends that know you very well, she's like, okay, I'm going to tune out because this girl needs to recharge. Why don't you tell the audience about how you're planning to get some more recharge by getting away? So
1: hopefully for some you time. So
2: hopefully for leave. some you time, but part of what we're doing um, and I have a blog post coming out in hot Hijab probably later on this week. So you can start reading a little bit about the journey. Um, those of, of you all who have known me um, for a while, I have hinted a little bit about the trauma that the generational trauma that I have experienced. Um, and part of my journey in healing that was to kind of get certified and start helping other families deal with generational trauma and the impacts of that. And um, I am doing that final piece that they tell you to do when you're kind of gone through the process, which for me has been almost three years, is to start making amends with the people and which in this circumstance um, are my parents for full disclosure. And part of that initial step is to Go to Spain with my mom and my daughter, three generations of us, and we're going to do a Sufi Muslim retreat. Um, And there's going to be a lot of dhikr, a lot of yoga, a lot of downtime. Um, and I am extremely excited and happy that my mom has agreed to start participating in this process after, you know, the turmoil we have been in for the last couple of years. And we're, I'm going to be writing and hopefully sharing about um, about that journey. Um, so a little bit, you know, I'm very, very excited about kind of going back um, and being more introspective in in that process. So I'm super excited about it. I think you're going to have a very different experience when you go in October, this is definitely going to be more of a a healing process for me. And I wanted my daughter to come so that she can see this is what it takes in order to, to kind of make a relationship whole.
1: I think that's like the best part of all of that. Like, I love that you're getting some you time, but also that you're taking her to have this experience and see like Pandora's box being closed again. Yes. You know, and I'm really excited for her because that's not, um, an opportunity that you and I had growing up. Exactly. So So
2: inshallah, everybody pray for me. We're ready to to get moving. But I have to say, you know, we've just been talking a little bit today about it's officially vacation, summer vacation. Some of us are in school, some of us are going to the pool. This is me with color. I'm so excited. But it's definitely a time to like slow down, look at different perspectives. And in June, we'll be bringing you our series, Muslim Conversion, Helped and Hindered. It is, or, you know, is it convert, revert? you know, I think the jury is still kind of out on that. What are their struggles from within and without what did their, their new community do, right? What did it do horribly wrong? Like I always joke that when my mom converted, she was, thank God I converted to Islam before I met Muslim people, because it was a whole nother thing for her. She wasn't quite excited about the Muslim people, but she loved the religion, you know, and we are so blessed because the first time we were recorded with her, our gins in the computer ate her recording. So we are um, so excited and um, to bring Lisa Vogel she was born and raised in East Lansing Michigan I think that's Michigan State because um, c- we were just we were just visiting there. She is a single mother of two an international fashion photographer and co-founder of the Verona collection the first modest fashion brand to be launched featured and sold in a major American department store. She like I said she's been on before the gins took her but we are happy to have her back. Thank you so much for joining me, Lisa. And I love the blue. And I'm wondering, is that Verona, the new collection? It is head to toe. Hijab. Ooh, and, uh, I love it. She, I saw. I saw her in person and I saw this really cute jumpsuit she was wearing. And I was like, girl, when is that going to come out? Because I haven't seen it on the website. So I'm hopeful it's that it's going to be coming out very, very soon
0: yeah that's in production so you actually didn't even see the final piece I was just wearing a sample so
2: <laughs> oh my god the fa- fact that the sample looks so fabulous I am so excited Ozma dropped off so I am going to um go ahead and take her question thank god she has these here yes. but you know but, uh, th- we were joking like uh, Lisa and I are more of, like this organic Uzma's more of a yeah, yeah. Piece I like the, I don't even
0: know what the questions are so I like good, it. good
2: unreal <laughs> let's let's just go with that so you know why don't you tell us you know obviously this is mommying well muslim could you tell us a little bit about what you're comfortable sharing about your kids um your family currently and your mommying philosophy that you can share with us
0: um well what i'm comfortable with i'm an open book so okay. any questions are on the table they are seven and eight and uh, we live in York, kind of newly to sterling virginia um, I'm a single mom, as you mentioned, um, I, my days nonstop from morning to night work kids, mom. So it's constantly a juggle, uh, but no, it's just me and the kids and you know, Alhamdulillah, like they keep me very busy.
2: So if you were to sum up what you would consider your mommying philosophy, what would that look like? That's an interesting question.
0: Um, So I would say that my role as a mom is to make them the best versions of themselves. So that's what I really try to, that is my goal in life is, you know, I pray every day that they are happy, healthy, and on the right path. So those are the, those are the jaws that I make for them every day. And I tell them actually, I actually tell them that it is my job to make sure that they become the best versions of themselves. So it does not mean forcing them to be something I don't want them to me to be. It's finding out what's going to make them happy and then encouraging them to pursue what is going to be fulfilling to them while they hold on to their values and they never change who they are. So, um, yeah, in summary, that's,
2: that's my answer. I love that. That's absolutely beautiful. Because the reality is you're trying to help support them in their journey, versus in in putting your own journey on top of them. And that I think is such an amazing, um, amazing thing for parents to do, because, you know, they're just a part of us, but we cannot live we can't live for them, you know, so I, I love that you're, you're doing that. And I, and I like how they're Irish tw- twins too. The seven and eight, man, that must have been quite a, a challenge for no, you at the time.
0: Currently present is a challenge.
2: <laughs> oh, I, you're like, like back in the day, look, I am still in the process of that. See, I get to look at it in the back, the background, be like, oh, that was tough. But you're like, no, 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 yeah. I'm still in the thick yeah. of it right yeah. now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, It's definitely – like, it it has its
0: positives and negatives because I feel like if there was one child, then I'd have to be constantly entertaining them. But because they have each other, they entertain themselves, but then it's, like, a constant fighting battle. So Yes. Um, Especially because they are are so so close in age. Uh, Hands down. And boys. Like, it's – it's when rim- things are getting broken they like constantly like getting you know waiting and then they love each other 2 seconds later so it's uh
2: yeah
0: alhamdulillah
2: that's <laughs> the that's literally normal everybody you know i have the i have our um uh, p- have our like our ot in our in my like on speed dial and our orthopedic on speed dial because i'm like whenever there's like a possibility for something being broken i'm like can you fit me in on Monday? And they're just like, gum in!" You keep us in diapers over here because of everything. All my kids being crazy. No, I absolutely, I absolutely love this. But you know, you talked a little bit about um, your children presently. But you know, part of what we're doing to, um, on this, uh, on this particular series, is to kind of help uh, with the conversion with the converts or the reverts. First of all, let's start there. Cause I never know as a a born Muslim, what to say. Do you consider yourself a convert to Islam or a revert to Islam? And can you explain the difference for people?
0: Okay. So to, to, for my answer, I don't care. And I honestly, it kind of annoys me when people get so like, uh, caught up over it it's like they, they're they intending to mean the same thing let's not get so particular on like words you know their intention so for me it, I could care less you want to call me convert revert it doesn't matter to me to other people it like really matters the reason why they say revert is because we were all born Muslim according hmm. to Islam and then they lost their way and then they were back to the truth so that's where the term comes from
2: but I could care less
0: Okay, good. That's that's that's
2: that's actually good to know. (laughs) But because I'd never heard of that, because my mom (laughs) considers she's old school. She's one of the you know, she she converted to Islam decades and decades ago. And she considers herself a convert because she at one point really. Um, believed in the principles as uh, she happened to be Catholic and converted. So she she definitely um, believed in the principles of the Catholicism until she started her own spiritual journey. So she does feel like I, I converted, you know, not, not to speak for her. So I'd always grown up with that terminology and it was only recently I heard about this re, the revert and it, it makes sense logically, but I feel like to your point, it's whatever each individual person feels comfortable, uh, comfortable with. Yeah. So I, I, I get that, but you know how, I always love hearing the story about how people came to Islam. And if you don't mind sharing, you said you're an open book. I'm ready to hear it. So how did, how did you come about it? Did you read a book? Did you meet somebody? Like, tell us what your um, conversion story is.
0: I would have to say that this is hands down. Like before I didn't know the topic. I'm like, what are we talking about today? You're (laughs) like, what are you doing? (laughs) One of the hardest questions to answer. And I'll tell you why. Because I think I've been asked so many times that I mentally have like summarized it more and more in my mind just Mm -hmm. to like answer the question Um, because my conversion reversion story has was like spanned over like, I don't know, a, a decade, it, it was just like Islam just kept coming back into my life. It was, I'll answer just for anybody that might be curious, nope, was nothing to do with a man. That's usually people's first assumption as a griever. I converted on my own without a man. So um, I just want to put that on the table. Um, and honestly, I think when people think that there must have been a relationship involved for that reason. It's kind of not having full faith of your Islam, that it's like shouldn't mm-hmm. Islam speak for itself where you don't man to bring you to the religion. But not to, you know, downplay that that's the reason a lot of people do come into it, alhamdulillah, but not everyone's reason. Um so my journey started back in when I was like twenty. I um, I'm kind of a free spirit. Um I you know, I, I just, like, jump into things, and I decided I wanted to
2: uh, move to Morocco <laughs> so, yeah. for a semester. I woke up one day and decided to be Moroccan. I love that.
0: That is honestly who I am. Like, my mom kind of just, like, like she's, like, done with me. Like, I would just call and be like, okay, you're up <laughs> the next day. Um <laughs> so I was set out to it. I was like, I want to do like, I want to backpack through Europe and then I want to spend time in Morocco. So I um, took a semester off of college and I did an internship. It was paid and I got a second job and I waitressed at night and I saved like every penny um, to, to pay for all of this. And I had a Moroccan friend in college and he um, hooked me up with it was like his adopted grandfather, who was the director of a Ama- American language center in Tangier, Morocco and hooked me up with a, a teaching job while I was there. So I took this on and then I, you know, stayed with, you know, some of his extended family. So I actually lived with the Moroccan family when I was in Morocco. And before that I, I traveled through Europe and then landed in Morocco. Um, and I taught English for three months. And because I was with a Moroccan family right in the medina they were you know very very humble they uh, didn't have hot water they didn't have a toilet it was completely wow. like why you know new experience for me that has had you know privileged my whole life in every sense of the imagination and went right into this um, but when I was there I decided to wear an abaya and hijab just out of respect it wasn't mm-hmm. any you know necessary because I was interested in Islam it was simply because I wanted to be respectful to the norms so I wore it outside and then I would even like pray with the family I didn't really I didn't know what I was saying I didn't know what I was learning so it was just kind of like going through the motions but it was just an experience for me um I came back went back to college I got my you know degree and um I decided that, and I got a corporate job in Chicago and I decided that I just wanted to completely switch careers and go into photography. So I like moved to Florida and I got it, <laughs> uh, went into school for <laughs> went to school uh, for photography. And, um, one of the semesters, uh, we were given a project and we could choose the topic to do a mini documentary. And I chose to uh, focus on why women wear the hijab. So I was like, let me really understand the meaning behind it. And, you know, even the irony is that, um, I mean, it's even more ironic now that I have a hijab brand, but even I, I still had a little bit of notion that it was oppressive, even though I wore it out of respect. Um, but I did my interviews um, in Orlando, and I was very, um, everything was just eye-opening, um, you know, hearing why women wear the hijab, That I became very interested in Islam from there. And I lived and breathed it, and I, I asked to speak to imams, to, to, to ask them questions, I read the Quran, I watched YouTube videos on Islam, um, so that's, that's how I ended up learning um, about the religion. And then nine months later, I decided to take my Shahada uh, by myself in the masjid, the
1: Friday Aww. before Ramadan and to the. 11. Oh, mashallah. That's amazing. I love that story. Um, not just because you, you know, with your disclaimer in the beginning, this was not for a man. I did this on my own and I, I just have to skip over like your adventurous side. I'm going to let Zeba address that because <laughs> she's got an 18 year old under her wing right now. So she, I think she understands that your mom better than um, as you described, but can you talk about that South Florida community that you were kind of living and breathing Islam, and like you had these opportunities to go talk to the imam? Was there anything the community members around you were doing or not doing that made you feel safe enough to keep up your your um, path seeking knowledge and coming towards Islam? Can you can you so, identify so any through, behaviors in the community?
0: So during my while I'm learning is what you're asking. Yes. Muslims are very excited about Dawah, you know, in any, whenever they have the opportunity, so they're very excited about it. It's post-conversion that we have a lot of work to do, uh, yes. which is, yes, is where I, you know, we can go into that. Um, we love hearing Shahadas. Are we there for them after that? No. So that could be something that we can talk about, but um you know, when you're on your journey to Islam, people are very motivated, um, to kind of answer your questions and and bring you to Islam. So,
1: okay. Were there ever, I guess what I'm trying to get to is, were there any behaviors they exhibited that made you go, "Mm, I don't like that, but, or were you able to connect it to people and not to the religion, I guess?
0: Um, I'm pretty strong-minded where I can separate the two. Um, but honestly I don't think that there were too many like um instances that I would say that was a turnoff prior to me converting I think I saw you know it was very welcoming um I I was volunteering with Project Downtown in Orlando I think they have it in the DMV area um Mm -hmm. where you go to the mosque and you you know college kids come together and you feed the homeless um everyone was pretty much very involved and, you know, very welcoming and kind. Um, I did have a a really crazy experience, like, prior, like, um, I don't know, like several years before that portion portion of learning about Islam. It was, like, years before. It was, like, the second time I was ever in a mosque. Um, And I had, like, women come up to me and basically, like, I had like um the pants that go down like midway calf. So I had like this a bunch of my legs mm-hmm. showing and these women came surrounding me, like basically telling me how inappropriate I was dressed and um <laughs> I shouldn't be here. So <laughs> it was it it was very like very startling. Um but that was like years before I became like very interested in learning about Islam. However, in the South for you know, in Orlando community when I was learning about it, everyone was pretty much welcoming.
1: This episode is sponsored by Guidance Residential. Guidance Residential has helped over 30,000 families achieve home ownership without compromising their faith. Will you be next? Let them help you. Find Guidance Residential, both on Facebook and Instagram at Guidance
2: Residential and get your questions answered. Don't let halal home ownership just be a dream to you. As um, a child of somebody who converted, I was able to witness um, the treatment of my mother in those types of circumstances. And, and it wasn't pleasant. I'm just going to say that granted I'm hopeful, you know, she she converted 40 plus years ago. um, And so I'm hopeful things have changed since then. And we're a little bit more welcoming. Um, But like I alluded to in the beginning of the, of the uh, podcast, I said, you know, she has always like, I'm glad I knew about Islam before I met, uh, Muslim people, because I think it might've changed her mind in a lot of circumstances. And part of that is what you were just talking about. Like they're all about you converting and everyone getting, it's like a celebratorial thing. Everyone's excited. Okay. So as soon as you say, you know, the, the magic words, it's done, it's over. And there wasn't really any support, at least there wasn't at that time. And it sounds like there isn't any support even now. So what would you if you were to uh, you know design an ideal revert convert program for post conversion what are some of the things that you would recommend we we do as a community to kind of help really empower them and facilitate their their spiritual journey as they learn more and more about Islam?
0: So there actually is a program. It's called Embrace. Uh, one of my really dear sisters is the ED of the organization. She's another Revert sister. It's a chapter of ICNA. Um So there actually are organizations out there, and sadly, it's like there's not. There should be way more. You know, I shouldn't be able to. I shouldn't just be able to list one. I should be able to list multiple, right? Because you know they're there, there for the Revert for learning about Islam. But how many are there? day two, day three, day four. Um, one of the most challenging, you know, things about being a rever is the community. Um, it's not just the, eight, you know, aid being alone and, and mm-hmm. but, you know, we are who our are friends, right? So if we have um, friends around us that pray, that fast, that do zakat, that do good deeds, that keep each other in check and keep each other on the right path, it can help you in your journey in Islam. And this is just whether you're a born Muslim or a revert.
2: Um, Exactly.
0: And if you're trying to navigate completely new life alone, it's so challenging. Uh, You know, I would, when I'd go to visit my mom and she was living up in like Traverse City, Michigan, and I was definitely the only Muslim, God knows how many miles (laughs) away. I was still praying, but I remember feeling like it was a struggle. Like, now I pray, like, I won't even, like, if it's still hard time, I pray, like, I don't even like to be 10 minutes late. But, like, I remember when I was the only Muslim around, it was, like, a struggle because you don't have that sense of community. Um. Mm-hmm. So post-Shahada, you really need to be there for your reverts. You need to be there, not, you know, not just checking, hey, how are you? You need to actually create friendships and help guide them. I taught myself how to pray from mm-hmm. transliteration, you know, the everyday things, we have no idea what we're doing. Uh, You know, whether it be from fasting to proper hijab to, um, you know, learning how to pray or just, or just needing another sister to talk to and ask questions. Um, So that's that aspect of it is, is building the community for our reverts. Number two, we also have to not be so judgmental. Um, Mm -hmm. And this goes for everybody in the community if you push them too hard too fast, they're going to go the opposite direction. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, you have, people have to, I think we're talking about this uh, with our own children, not to push our Mm -hmm. own children, you know, to, with Islam, Um, you know, because we don't want to draw that. We want to encourage, but not draw the line of like forcing it down their throat. Mm -hmm. Same with reverts. We're new to Islam. This is all new to us. So we have to take things in baby steps and make things consistent. And then we can, you know, slowly become, you know, more on the right path, inshallah. Um, you know, and and then one other piece of advice, it was just, you know, not being so judgmental. Um, I, we unfortunately have a very judgmental community um, where we love to pick out what people are doing wrong and not look at ourselves. Um, so this is something that, you know, th- those are my, my three pieces of advice.
1: I think those are... Excellent, excellent pieces of advice. And um, I guess for me, it was, first of all, shocking to learn that it's post-Shahada that is hardest Mm -hmm. and there's more isolation after that. Why do you think that is? You know, I kind of want to, because again, reflecting upon myself, why is that? You know, and I know in my personal situation, when we've had uh, reverts in the community, I give them my cell phone number. I'm like, tell me whatever you need. Here I am. But that's obviously not enough. So, you know, I can't think of what else to do to foster a relationship outside of picking them up from their house and like dragging them with me um, to some kind of social event.
0: Well, I mean, that's probably more than most people are doing, to be honest. You know, people mm-hmm. should, you know, I think that that's what reverts need is that that sense of community. Um, why it, do they do that? I don't know. It's almost like there's this like, Affirmation that they feel about themselves by watching the shahada. It's something that everyone's gonna run to, and mm-hmm. um, you know, it's, it's an exciting thing to watch. But then, boom, the mosque like empties after that. You mm-hmm. know, so how many of those people that go up to give them hugs say, "My name's Muhammad, here's my number." "My name's you know Zainab, here's my number." You know, uh, how many of those people do that? Can I have your number? Please reach out. Let me let me take. You know, how many of people do that? Not that many. And so, um, you know, when people we love to talk about Islam being the fastest growing religion, but we do not talk about how many people are leaving Islam.
2: Yes. And
0: that conversation that is true. Be a part of the reaver, you know, stories that we're talking about. And it's not the religion that um, people are
2: leaving for. It's because of the community and feeling pushed away. I read a statistic for every one person it's like a half a per, like half a person, you know, for every two people converting, there's one person leaving. For two, I was like, I shouldn't say half, we got I should you. say one. You, you understand. Um, but that's really the case, whether you were born Muslim. <laughs> just their or, torso. Just Muslim. their torso. Then they walk away. No wonder. Um, but, but it's really true. And I would like to, so if people are listening to this, um, could you reach out? Because we would like to hear your story. Because it's not about... Um, people converting, right? It's it's about why, what is it about what's going on around them that are actually causing people to leave that for me, uh, as somebody who was born Muslim, and how I actually say I have chosen to be Muslim as an adult. I'm really interested in, um, raising adults, adult Muslim children that at some point have to choose Islam for themselves. So I'd be very curious about that as well. But, you know, always part of the conversion and reversion stories is telling your parents or coming out to them on some level. How did that go for you? It sounds like your mom was kind of used to you, you know, flitting around the world and she's like, this is something new. So like, how, how was that conversation? No big deal. So <laughs> um, she's like, okay, fine. Yeah. It, so
0: my father was most like chill about it for lack of a better word. He's, he was like, you know, if uh, you're happy, I'm happy. He like didn't really care. Um, but my mom was very like when I always say this, whenever my convert story comes up is that if a man converts, unless all of a sudden he goes to this long bearded, kufi. And, like, so, like, his appearance doesn't really change. So they don't really mm-hmm. feel anything different about their family. But the women that choose to wear the hijab, there's a little bit. It's almost like a death in the family a little bit. Mm-hmm. And some people change their name. I didn't. Um, I don't think it's necessary. But, like, that's, you know, a personal choice. Um, but, like, I obviously completely... Uh, change my appearance and then I'm telling my mom no you can't post that photo on Facebook no you can't send that photo mm-hmm. around about me yeah. and that has caused a lot of arguments in my yeah. family like I want to post this photo this is you before this is you and I'm like trying to explain to them that no you can only post something where I'm 5 or 6 you know before maturity maturity without my hijab and so those type of conversations cause friction mm-hmm. um, but alhamdulillah like I have it very easy compared to um, a lot of other reverts who were even disowned. My family yeah. completely accepts it now. They are like encouraging. They, they, they thought it was a phase, mm-hmm. you know. So Morocco, free spirit, <laughs> Florida, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. and so they're like, oh, okay, Lisa's doing another one of her like you know, things she you know, because I would just travel or become a photographer, you know, so they thought this was a phase. Um, But obviously, it, over a decade later, they can, I think they know it's not a phase.
1: Do you feel like it's important for somebody who's new to Islam to kind of have those conversations with their family? Like, these are not things that I do anymore? Because it almost sounds like because I'm feeling in my heart, like, and I want to just let my mom post it. Like, who cares? Let her let her have that, you know, because it's so much that she's got to absorb. It's like one little thing. But do you think having those conversations is critical to a new Muslim, like on their path? Or, you know, what's safe for them to let go? Um, or is it just all relative?
0: I do explain to them like what I can and cannot do. Like, um, you know, the halal meat, you know, because I only use the biha meat. Like that was something completely new to them. Um, we, you know, I let them know that you, you choose to live your life how you want. This is how I'm choosing to live my life. And I even have conversations with my kids because they aren't fully grasping that half of their family is not Muslim. And they go to Quran and Arabic and they're like, mommy, why don't you know how to read Quran? Like, yeah. but they're in Arabic and they can read better than me. Um, so they're still trying to understand the concept that I was not Muslim, um, but I teach them that this is how they live their life and we always respect it, but this is how we live our life. You know. So we have a mutual respect for each other, even though we live very different lives. So my family, they drink wine around me. I just sit there and converse with them. There's other people that become so strict about it and won't even be in the presence of the alcohol, but I'm like, I I will never go that route. This is their life and how they choose to live their life, and they're still my family. Um, mm-hmm. But this is how I choose to live my life. So, you know that I think it comes down to communicating that I respect
2: you and what your choices are. You just need to respect my choices. You brought up a good point right now, like having these types of conversations. And one of the things that um, we got, got a lot of questions about, and I'm sure you do as well, because your half of your family is not Muslim. How do you handle the holidays and the holiday season? That's literally one of the biggest things people do ask. Um, in in our personal life, I grew up celebrating. Christmas with my mom's family when we did because that was their celebration. And I never felt conflicted in any way because we recognized that it was my family's holiday. How do you guys as a family uh, deal with that? Because holidays are big when you share the same religion, right? So how do you guys deal with it when the religion is Mm -hmm. different?
0: Um, I think that's something that's a little bit difficult for my mom as well. She's like, Mm -hmm. I want to send them, you know, my boys, Ilias and Adam, Christmas gifts. And, um, I'm a little bit more conservative in that regard where I won't have a Christmas tree in the house. I, um, you know, if I had a family gathering and they're celebrating Christmas, we would attend, but, um, I would, I would probably let my mom give them gifts if it was around everybody because I wouldn't want them to feel left out. But I would also co- have a conversation that this mm-hmm. is their holiday, we don't celebrate this. So I think it comes down to communication that, you know, I, I wouldn't want them to feel left out, so I would let them join in, but they need to know the difference, that this is ha- what they're celebrating, and we're here to respect their what their faith is. Um, I encourage my mom to send Eid gifts, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's... Um, yeah. So, yeah, like I... <laughs> I... I'm a little bit more conservative in that, in that, um, but it's all situational,
1: you know? Yeah. Different strokes for different folks. Yeah. Um, for sure. Uh, I wanted not to forget to talk about, um, because I was just watching a video of you walking and uh, you were in Times Square, and I remember missing Times Square, but also loving your pants. Okay, <laughs> I was like, those look like the world's most comfortable pants. And I can't forget to ask her about, you know, the kind of is it like a rebrand or relaunch of Verona, and any new stuff that's happening, and you know how Verona played a played a role in your conversion story, or if it did.
0: Well, those pants are Verona, and they'll be online next week. <laughs>
1: So, Yay. <laughs> I cannot wait to get my hands on a pair or my, <laughs> my legs on a pair. It comes with a matching top. So okay. mm. um, so
0: how, how Verona played it, it, it didn't really necessarily – Verona didn't have anything to do with my conversion, but I would say my conversion had a lot to do with Verona yes. um, because – it, it, you know, I chose uh, the hijab is what led me to Islam. Essentially, be learning about why women wear it, and then I became so interested in learning about the religion. And it wasn't for I was Muslim for a good like four years, maybe three or four years before I started Verona. Um, I was a you know in photography school, so I became a fashion photographer. However, I didn't want to do mainstream because I felt like it was not a part of my new values on showing women in a very you know you know objectifying manner uh so i decided to go towards modest fashion and it was like not even a thing then so this was like mm-hmm. over a decade ago when you don't have all these brands a part of modest fashion um Yaz's spaz and i we paired up and we did <laughs> yeah. shoots for overseas. yeah um and it was you know an amazing experience but because I became a mom, I could no longer travel around the world doing photo shoots. Um, I was always very interested in designing. So um, uh, my partner, Ella Amus, and I, we partnered up and we opened up Verona. Um, and really, you know, we wanted... It's obviously a business, you know, to make money, to support ourselves, right? Um, but more to it than that is that we wanted Muslim women... We wanted to be proud of who we are and that, you know, if you choose to wear the hijab, to not be afraid to wear it and to not feel any less beautiful and to show that this is a symbol of our faith. And I am proud to wear it and I am proud to be a Muslim. Uh, So it was more than just a modest fashion brand to us. It was something that we wanted to, you know, give pride to Muslim women to be proud of who they are.
1: I love that. I love that. And like you said, it's going to launch next week, the pants. So yeah. you'll probably sell out. So I would go ahead and restock.
2: <laughs> okay. I'll put the restock
1: now. right now. Just make some more, please. Because if they come in different colors, like I'm one of those people, if I like something, I'll just buy it in all the colors. She literally it's does. So I have it.
0: Black, this blue, and a really summery green.
2: Like it's awesome. Ooh. Yeah. Can't wait to see. I'm them. going to buy them all. You know, for our fi- well, first of all, we're excited to see the new launch of Verona and and, and get and look for that. Um, so we're going to look for that next week. Um, and for the our final question, I, I I just was really interested to know your thoughts on this. What do you think are some considerations for somebody who wasn't born in Islam has to think about as a mom of? Muslim children.
0: So my challenges are slightly different because I am a single mom. It is just mm-hmm. me and the boys in the in the house. So there are certain things that I have to make a special effort on. Um, Eid is one of them. Mm-hmm. I want to make sh- it's very easy when we're tired. I don't, don't want to you know go to the mosque and go to all these events. But I make even if I'm tired, I for, made a special effort, especially this year because they're at an age where they're going to remember to go to Jummah prayer to go to Eid festivals. So they really feel that sense of community. That's one. Another aspect is, is that, you know, I have them in Arabic and Quran and that's very important to me because there's certain things that, um, I may not know as a revert and I want them to learn from an early age, you know, how to pray, how to read Arabic, how, you know, so these things don't become a challenge like they are for me, where it's going to be harder to learn when you're older. Um, so I would say that those are those are things that I have to make a special effort on. Um, is trying to teach them, you know, making sure that they are around people um, that will teach them the things that I can't.
1: A lot of us are taking that for granted. So I hope that anybody who's listening hears this and um, understands what you're setting up your ch- like you setting your children up for success, basically. Oh, yeah.
2: So I really appreciate all of that. One thing before we end, you know, Lisa did allude to the fact that she's a single mother, she is very open um, about her story um, to, to that. Um, we didn't want to talk about it on this particular podcast. So you're you're more than welcome to, to look her up. She's talked about it freely. We wanted to keep it to what we were focusing on today, which was her reversion story and didn't want to detract from that. So that's something I did want to say um, before moving forward and to end this on a light light note we do this thing called a rapid fire lisa where we kind of like throw questions at you and you have to answer at the top of your brain so i hope you are ready for this okay. and no wrong answers there's no wrong answers <laughs> that we just want to get to know you on a, a, a different a level yeah. um and i'll go first because we always ask this question because usman i love books and love book recommendations what is something you're either currently reading or would recommend us to read
0: I just got Yasmeen Majahid's book, uh, Healing the Emptiness, so that's what I'm about to start. Because
1: I, I... Oh, I don't have that one. Yeah. Very cool. Um, so my question to you is, what did you want to be when you grew up? When I was really... Like, as a child, what do you remember wanting to be? A, a veterinarian. Oh, a call veterinarian. Call. I was like, huh, look at that. Yeah.
2: that. But you're a mom. It's close enough. That's yeah, what I
0: yeah. think. Yeah, like with my kids, <laughs> seriously. <laughs>
2: Yeah. <laughs> so other than Verona, David, what's your question? So other than Verona, what would be a favorite word of yours?
1: A favorite word? Gratitude. If th- you could eat one thing three <laughs> times a day for the rest of your life, what would it be? Salad. Oh yeah. Salad.
2: She's, like, she, oh that's God. a good answer, yeah. because the beauty about salad <laughs> is that it could be just hearing the answer. <laughs> but you know, salad could be in so many different ways. So she's smart. Like I like that. I absolutely like that answer. Yeah. Like my
0: child. Yeah, that's a very good I was answer. Craving salad. I was like, this isn't normal. <laughs> it's because that's
2: like what I was. Like. <laughs> so i would feel the same way about my kids <laughs> <laughs> like i love this i love this so what is your most used emoji emoji um
1: maybe the hearts uh, maybe just hearts
2: i like it sweet and simple yeah. so we're out of time unless you want to ask another one no as my you f- you, f- you do your final your final one
1: Okay, final one. Oh, I want it to be a good one. I know. If you could compete in any Olympic sport, real or fake, what would it be? This is so – I wanted – so
0: I was a college softball player, and um, growing up, it was a dream of mine to be a college, like, Olympian softball player. That was my dream growing up. But I ended up, you know, reaching
1: a collegiate level, so – no. nice, yeah, that's like top 1% of athletes. So mm-hmm. awesome, good for you. I love it. And softball is very close to Ziba's heart, so
2: Spend we know that that time uh, on the baseball field 12 hours yesterday. Oh, awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> really, <laughs> that's why she's so tan.
1: tan.
0: It's a poor life of mine. It's like, yeah, I miss it so much. Um, but yeah, but I was a softball player,
1: yeah. Awesome. Well thank you so much for sharing your story and participating in the rapid fire. We hope that you found it um, you know, a little bit fun like we do. I I learned something a couple of new things about you and I think our audience members who follow you did too. Thanks
2: again for joining Zeba and Uzma on While well Muslim today. Please email us your thoughts or questions and follow us on Facebook and Instagram because this podcast was designed to cater your needs. Make sure you check out the show notes to find the links and resources for this episode. And remember to help a
1: mama out and leave a review of the show as well as to like it on your podcast app of choice because that helps us grow.
2: Tune in next week for another episode of Mommy While well Muslim. as alaikum everyone.